Hello, welcome to IntelliCast, Season 5, Episode 35, one of our last episodes of the year. Cranking yeah, this thing not, down. Not too many left for us. We are in December. Yes, Hard December. To <clears throat> um, it is winter for sure here in the Midwest. Um, today, episode brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. You can reach us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. Follow us on Twitter, please, EMI underscore research. Smash that like button. Aren't we supposed to say that? Smash that like, hit subscribe. Yeah, something like yeah. that. I, hate, I that. hate that. I hate that. Yeah, me too. IntelliCast1 on Twitter, and you can voicemail or text us, 513-401-5463. My name is Brian Lamar. I uh, work at Insights here at EMI, and... Joining me as always, Brian Peterson, who is our mar- digital marketing director. Is that your job title? That's my title. It's not as descriptive as what I do, though. Yeah. You it should wear, just be marketing director. You wear a few hats. Um, so thanks for listening. And on today's episode, we have Lila Rayner, who is the CEO of Logica Research. And, you know, we just recorded this. And um, I learned a lot. I probably sounded really... One of the one of the episodes where I I didn't know a lot about the content, even though she works in marketing research, but she works at such kind of a, a niche or a specialized firm that focuses kind of on the financial services and, um, aspect of marketing research. Um, it was just fascinating to me. I probably could have gone a lot longer um, just with dumb questions, but I thought that's that was enough. Like my three or four dumb questions were probably enough. Yeah, no, it was super interesting. Um, they have. I love that future of money report they do, even though we didn't get the full one, we only got that little highlight page, but there was a ton of information just in that little three page document, like awareness of crypto investment strategies, like how people are spending their money. Like all of that is just on one page and it's just in a little infographic. It was so much information. Yeah. So download that, listen to the interview. She's really smart. She's been, um, I think she's in San Francisco been in research for quite a while, very involved in WIRE, very involved in the ID. We touch on the IDEA Council. She's a big part of that. But mostly we'll talk about uh, kind of the money and the research that her and her company does to um, help the financial services industry. Um, so without further ado, here is Lila, and thanks for listening. And let us know, by the way, if you uh, have any ideas for guest topics uh, music changes for 2023 as we're closing this thing down. We'll probably change the music for the first time in a couple of years. So we'd love your feedback. And here is Lila. Joining me now, I am super excited to have Lila Rayner. She is the CEO of Logica Research. Lila, hello. How are you? Great, Brian. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Yeah, I'm happy to have you. And I love looking at people's LinkedIn profiles. And you are not just the CEO of Logica Research. You're everywhere. And I love when people do a lot of different things. You're really involved in WIRE. Um, you're involved in financial services and financial tech. You do this future of money study. You're kind of everywhere. Is that is that okay to say? Well, I love hearing you say that. <laughs> I'll take it as a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I also saw you in the University of Michigan. Are you happy that you beat Brian and our home state football team <laughs> in football this past weekend? Yes. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Uh, it's been a good year for Michigan for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm a, I went to Georgia and they played last year and I have a feeling they're going to play again this year too. They're in a collision course, but that's not why we're here. We're here to talk about you and logical research and your background maybe. 
And maybe we should start there. Maybe kind of what led you to marketing research and why did you start Logica? Yeah, absolutely. And I love that question because when I ask that question of other people, it's often that so many people really stumbled on market research or fell into it by accident. Mm-hmm. And that is somewhat true for me. Um, my path to marketing research has really been one of both intention and opportunity. Market research came together for me because I was joining kind of my experience in academia and conducting research in social psychology. And then really wanting to apply that research and experience to address problems in, I'll put um, in air quotes, the real world, or at least the more immediate world of business. So in graduate school, I conducted research on adult attachment in romantic relationships. And I have a bit of pride in having been involved in that kind of research because it was sort of foundational at the time and new. And now that research is being used in pop psychology. So that's kind of fun. Oh, wow. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. So I got to bring, uh, you know, young undergrad and graduate student couples into a lab and then record them having a conflict of some kind and (laughs) record that video. Oh, wow. That sounds really cool. I love the academic stuff like that. And that's cool. Um, What kind of coursework were you doing then? So it was all social psychology. I thought I wanted to go into academia and be a professor, but really decided that 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 world was really too academic and kind of slow for me. So from there, I decided to join the business world. And then I got to this incredible opportunity at Charles Schwab and managed the insights department there for a number of years. That was an amazing experience and gave me the opportunity to work on a range of research initiatives with incredible people and immerse myself in financial services. So that's really how I brought the market research and financial services components together. Okay. And then at some point you decided to be an entrepreneur and start your own company. That's kind of interesting to me. I'm not a risk taker. I wish I was more of a risk taker, but that seems, I've always been scared of that. And how long ago was this, by the way? Yeah, so I started Logica Research, which, by the way, used to be called Kosky Research. We rebranded in 2018 to Logica Research, and I started the company back in 2004 uh, after I had my second kid, and I really wanted to be able to bring this high level of service and industry expertise to clients. I had worked with some partners when I was at Schwab, who really, I really thought did that well, but I thought there was an opportunity to be specialized in financial services and bring that experience to clients. So that's really what we've tried to do here is bring that high touch custom research with the financial services expertise to our clients. Okay. So is that your primary focus is almost all financial services? Is that correct? So you're, you're pretty, um, I don't know if it's, I would say specialized, not niche. You're pretty specialized, which is somewhat, I won't say rare. But it's uncommon in marketing research. I think a lot of us are generalists, um, whereas you really focus on providing very specific insights and knowledge. And I've, I'm assuming a lot of value to your clients, right? That's our goal. Yes, I hope so. <laughs> you know, our vision is to be the number one and go-to research firm for financial services, and I'm called fintech or financial technology companies. And we do that by bringing deep expertise in the category. So. I feel like we've done just about 
research on just about every topic you can imagine when it comes to financial services and technology. And, and someone once said to me, like, every company is a financial company in some way, and every company is a technology company as well. So we think that we can cover every possible topic. And we have, I think. So we also started our own future of money study back in 2017 to really help support the research that we're doing and having have a, a bit of a crystal ball or a lens on the future of financial services and bring that to our clients. I'm curious, do you consider yourself to be a researcher or a consultant or part an extension of maybe your client's team? Because um, I'm sure you get a lot of credibility because you can speak their language, right? That adds just so much. I know the few cases when I can go to a client, I can understand their acronyms and understand their challenges and understand their business questions at a deeper level. It makes everyone's lives a lot easier. I'm assuming that adds a lot of value to what you do, right? I hope so. And again, I appreciate that support. Yes, that is our goal. And we are a consultative research company. So we also have people on staff who have financial services expertise. I think about financial services and what I call sort of the life cycle of the dollar. So how people make money, which covers work, can extend to education. So we work, do work in the education category, as well as how people spend. So that's a lot about payments and payment technology, which has really changed over the last five to 10 years, and then how people save and invest. So money management, personal finance, and the combination of our own experience, doing our own research like Future of Money allows us to take that more consultative approach like you're talking about to working with our clients. So we can bring the insights from our research to the next level. And it starts with the very beginning, how we kick off a project and onboard a client and start working on a questionnaire or a discussion guide. And then of course, in the analysis and the insights. Okay, so you'll do qual, quant, any type of research, whatever it takes to answer the business question, it sounds like, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, cool. I'd love to learn more about this future of money study. You said a lot of things as part of it that intrigue me, like the crystal ball, the life cycle of the dollar. So I'd love to hear more about this report, and then I'll probably have some dumb questions afterwards. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so the future of money study, we started it in 2017, and it's been a semi-annual study in during COVID, the first year of COVID 2020, we did a couple extra waves to really everything was changing in every category and trying to understand not just how people's wallets or uh, how they are spending was being impacted, but just how they are thinking about money in every aspect of their lives. And then we continue to do the study today and in 2022, this year, we launched the study as a product in the form of the Future Money Insights Kit to be able to bring the full value of the report to our clients where they, they get the full report, the data tables, they have access to us for analyst time, they get presentations and they can even ask their own custom question. So our clients have told us that really there's a lot of value in, in using the study to help inform strategic direction at their companies to give some nuance and some validation to product ideas that they're thinking about. 
And there's a lot there because we do cover this life cycle of the dollar. So we ask questions about how people work, whether they're thinking about changing jobs, why they're thinking about changing jobs, the kind of financial benefits they're looking for from employers. We ask a lot of questions about payments and have trended questions around payments over time and seeing changes in how people are using buy now, pay later, for example, peer to peer or P2P payments. Mm -hmm. And then money management, which is big to a lot of our clients. So personal finance issues around saving and investing. And of course we saw people invest a lot more during COVID and starting to see changes in, in investing and saving because of the market conditions but going beyond that and looking at specific types of investments and why as well. So what, what are your typical clients? Are they mostly like financial services companies like banking and investment companies? I have a feeling I'm too pigeonholing too much. I bet it expands beyond that, right? Yeah, we do a lot of work for big financial institutions, banks and wealth management, brokerage companies for sure, payment companies, and then a lot of we haven't talked about yet, but we do both consumer and B2B research. So the B2B side tends to be a bit more technology oriented. And yeah. those companies, some of them call, call themselves technology companies and not financial companies. Yeah. And then we do work in the education ca category. So higher education, and that is wow. changing a lot right now. And that's also related to money because it's people's careers. It's how people finance education, whether they think about whether the values there and going to college or not, uh, for example. So some really interesting things going on in education as well. Uh, no, I'm fascinated. I, um, so you, as part of this toolkit, you said you provide everything. They get the data tables. They get kind of everything, including part of your time and expertise. Yeah, absolutely. I think the presentations are a big part of it and, and enabling those internal discussions at our client companies when they start to talk to each other about what they're seeing in the data and how it impacts their business. All right. This question is going to be a little bit self-serving in that you have unique knowledge and you, a lot of it's in your head and a lot of it's in the data. Was it a challenge for you to kind of like almost give it away? I mean, you're, you're charging people, but you're kind of giving away what's what you all do. Was that a tough decision? Was that an easy decision? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, we did We did and do give some of it away still, but really it is to uh, support our credibility and our integrity in knowing this market and the marketplace. And we want our clients to be able to take advantage of that. And yeah. really for me personally and for the company, our purpose is to help provide insights that improve people's financial lives. So we want to get those insights into the hands of organizations who can really use them and apply them. So one of the things that we're seeing is younger generation Gen Z, they're really scrappy and resourceful about money and they're going to all kinds of sources. So yes, they look for advice on TikTok and YouTube, and they're also talking to their parents and their friends, and then they're also going to big financial institutions. So how can our clients and the organizations that are really looking to this next generation help serve them better? How can that they help that generation start saving sooner? Um, they also want to retire early, like yeah. the age that I'm at now, which I did too when I was that age. So how do we... <laughs> How do we help them? 
yeah. to figure out their finances. No, I, I, would, I couldn't even imagine how much things have changed just in the past couple of years. And I'm expecting con- will continue to change um, given kind of the climate of everything going on in society right now. So my guess is every year or it's semi-annual, so maybe more than once a year, it's probably a ton of new insights, right? Yeah, you know, I think for part of my career, financial services was relatively static. And even though it's a complex industry and there's a lot to learn about it, but it has been changing and dynamic for so long, just partly just with the onset of new payment technologies. That's very complicated with investing and online investing with what is called robo-advice and then all the different ways that you know machine learning is going to be able to be applied to help people save and invest and the new needs that were surfaced during COVID. So it is both very complex and super interesting. For, for me per- personally, I feel like there's no end to the number of complex kind of questions that we can help our clients solve in this category. Um, I really just glossed over a lot of the trends that you mentioned and so many trends in the past couple minutes. And I don't know, Brian, you have any questions about any of those specific trends. Um, you have a children that are will be interested in this future money reports. Do um, you have any questions? I do. Um, it's not necessarily on the persona piece. So I had, I gone through your highlight component too, and there's a lot of information just in like these four pages on here, but you have a good section on cryptocurrency. And I have to imagine you are seeing vastly different results. I know before we started recording, you said you had just finished fielding the fall wave. I have to imagine with all of the crypto news that has been going on with all different exchanges going bankrupt that are we are you seeing a vast swing in like opinions of crypto and over from just one wave to another yeah so spoiler alert is what uh, yes. you're asking for. <laughs> um, yeah we haven't released the highlights from the fall wave yet but they are to come and yes absolutely a change in crypto i mean the interest in crypto, like you saw in the highlights report, has been so high for the last several waves. And millionaire, or not millionaires, pardon me, millennials are super bullish on crypto. And they still are, but we are definitely seeing a drop. And we did field the study before the bankruptcy of the FTX platform. So even before that, there was starting to be a downturn. But I, I think we'll continue to see interest. And again, my, you know, as I look into the crystal ball, I think cryptocurrency is still going to be active. There's still going to be interest. Next will be helping people figure out how to manage through changes in the market. Are there ways where it will become more mainstream? And of course, there's a lot of conversation about if it needs to be regulated, how it will be regulated. Man, that's interesting. That brings me to another question. This is this is probably a stupid question. But I'm asking it anyway. You have all this research, all this data. You've dedicated your career towards this. Are you accredited to be a financial advisor? I feel like you could be an incredible financial advisor based upon the knowledge that you have in this category. Have you thought about doing that as like a little side gig or do you do that currently as part of your... <laughs> that's a really funny question. I have not been asked that before, but I have worked... A- 
course, my starting my career, I actually managed research in the advisor side of uh, Charles Schwab, and I really enjoy doing research on financial advisors and independent advisors. And I think like all my history and compliance and, and legal and regulatory would say, this is the point in the conversation where I say, no, I am not giving any financial advice whatsoever. Of course, right. Legally, you can't. <laughs> all disclosures and disclaimers right. come up here. No, um, it's a great question. And I I invest very simply myself. So I just okay. use mutual funds. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I'd love to move on, but how can, before we do that, how can people download this report and get more information about this report? Yes, absolutely. So we have a future of money tab on the logicalresearch.com website, and you can download the highlights report there, and you can download information about the future of money insights kit as well. And of course, contact me on LinkedIn or email me as well. I'm jealous your report, the design of it's beautiful. It looks really good. The, the one that Brian and I looked at is just a few pages of summary, I'm assuming. So it's an easy read. I would recommend people to download it. I want to kind of pivot to some other stuff you're doing. You're part of, I mentioned WIRE, by the way, we have a local WIRE event here in Cincinnati tonight. I'll be going there in a little bit. I'm really excited about it. But you're also part of the Idea Council, which I'm very passionate about as well, um, as being heavily involved in our chapter. And we la- we're launching our election today, by the way, for next year. So maybe tell me more about your involvement in the Idea Council and what you've accomplished and um, maybe what you're working on. Yeah, so for people listening, the Idea Council is part of the Insights Association and IDEA stands for Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, and Access. And the Idea Council was started by Bianca Pryor in 2020. And it's a group of about 20 council members now who deliver on several programs to improve inclusion and access in the industry. And those programs include a fellowship program called Ideator. So there's information about that on the Insights Association website. That's an opportunity to improve inclusion and diversity in the industry in terms of talent. And, and training. And then there's the Idea Forum, which is an annual event. And then the path that I have been really involved in is Idea Research, where we're conducting research on research to identify ways to have more inclusive research questions, specifically demographic questions. So our first wave was on race and ethnicity. And we tested 10 different ways to ask race and ethnicity across 5,000 respondents in the US. And we used, um, I'll give a shout out to Insights Now. We used their methodology and they're heavily involved in that research along with now dozens of people who have been active in, in doing that research. And we're in the second phase of the research and that's gonna be on how to ask gender and sexual orientation We just completed a set of immersion sessions, which there's a synopsis available on the Insights Association website. There was this amazing panel conversation at the Insights Association CRC conference a few weeks ago, and we're getting set to develop and field that research again in the US. There's also going to be global research that's 
funded to look at how race and ethnicity is asked in other countries as well. And then our third phase will be on access and ability, which is still taking shape and looking at how we can improve access to surveys and research in the industry. So lots of amazing work. It's also been one of the most incredible experiences of my career to work with all of these talented people in this collaborative way across the industry. So yeah, encourage everybody to take a look at that research. So, and So nothing's happening. Y'all aren't doing anything. <laughs> no, all have day jobs. I'm so I love the idea council, by the way. I refer to the toolkit all the time. Um, we talk about it all the time. Um, so just great work from Idea Council, um, Bianca, I know her. She's amazing. Um, we've had her on the podcast and uh, a couple of years ago, just as she was starting it. And um, just amazing work. And I'm going to get on a little bit of soapbox. Uh, we did a, I don't know how long this has been. We did a webinar basically being critical of the U.S. Census. And I'm hoping that the insights industry, led by the Insights Association, is really going to drive change with the U.S. Census because we are the ones that ask surveys all day long. We're the ones that are true we should be the two arbiters of how to ask these questions, which are sometimes are very tough questions. And we should be able to advise the US government on the census on how to ask these questions instead of the other way around. And so I'm really impressed with the work that you all are doing. Um, these are not easy questions. It sounds easy um, to how to ask demographic questions. They are really challenging on how to make sure you're inclusive and how to Commit, um, do that. I, we know most researchers will know that it's really challenging. So I'm sure that work was hopefully was rewarding. Oh yeah, it's been incredible. And what I will say, because I can speak a little bit to the results, is that the first question that you want to ask yourself is whether you need to ask the, yeah. these demographic questions at all. But yep. if you ask, uh, for example, for race and ethnicity, you want to have a comprehensive response list. You don't want to use other. You want to have people be able to say how they identify and people want to be able to refine themselves in their response choices. And so it needs to be multiple select and it needs to be comprehensive. So we are also working on activating those results and uh, working with sample providers. And you mentioned the census and I'm so glad you did. We actually had an opportunity to share our results with the census last week, right before Thanksgiving. And they actually have been doing 10 years of research on how to ask as well. And they are definitely working on it. They listened very carefully to what we were doing. And it was an incredible opportunity. Uh, Cindy Newman at the Insights Association has really been an involved in, in doing a lot of the heavy lifting to keep these phases of research going and helped get us time with the census. So that was amazing. And I'm not sure if you spoke with Rob Santos, but he, we've been trying to get him on the podcast. He has to get approvals and I don't think that'll ever happen, but he is kind of comes from the research industry a little bit. So I think that having those conversations will resonate. So I'm happy to hear that. So that's awesome. Not to get into like my soapbox. I apologize for bringing you into my <laughs> soapbox. Well, it is really an important aspect. We're looking at how the results line up with the census question. And again, yes. I think, you know, forward-looking thinking is just, is the question even relevant? You know, what are other questions that are more important to ask to try to find the people and, and not even try to have census quota matching so much, but we're not there yet. Right. Well, thank you for all your work on that. I'm sure it's um, fascinating to work with people across companies um, as a volunteer 
um, to help improve our industry. So thank you for that. Um, anything else you want to touch on before we let you go and, and get back to figuring out what the future of money is? <laughs> yeah, so I you mentioned wire. And so I yeah. did want to just wrap up and say that I'm super grateful for our team at Logica and the partners in the industry, whether it's the pro bono kind of volunteer work with the Insights Association, but just across the industry, just so many smart and thoughtful people that we get to work with. And WIRE is a group I've been involved with for a number of years. And that's one of the places I've met a number of these people. I think without WIRE, I wouldn't have been able to make those contacts. And I know you've had a few of them on your um, show recently. Yeah. And also with the uh, Insights Association, I just encourage young people who are starting out or people maybe who are advanced in their career but need like an energy boost to really use these organizations as a networking opportunity as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, Wire does so much, not just for women, it does a lot for men too. Um, uh, in terms of mentorship and advising, um, Insights Association obviously does a lot for everybody as well. And so I wholeheartedly agree. I think we had Kristen Luck on the podcast. I think she was our first big guest we had. I, I think so. We were pretty nervous when we had Kristen on, given Kristen's impressive resume as well. Uh, but yeah, she's done an incredible job in so many different areas. We were very fortunate to have her on. And I feel like we're fortunate to have you on too. So um, Lila, thanks for joining. And maybe once more time, how can people reach out to you? You said LinkedIn. The Logica website, uh, download the Future of Money report. Yes, yeah. So absolutely, you can contact me on LinkedIn, and you can download the Future of Money report on our website. And there's contact information on there as well. So, yes, please do. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining. This has been awesome. Yeah. Thank you both. I've really thank enjoyed you. this. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.